Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, what's up? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. It is that time. It is position preview time. We are recording here on Thursday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And usually on, on Valentine's Day, we give a player we love. But it's just catchers today, so Scott, Heath, Chris, in that order, give me a catcher you love this year. Who do you love, Scott? It's such a betrayal of tradition, Adam. <laughs> catcher I love, I will go with Danny Jansen. Danny who, Jansen? I, I, right. Yeah, there's really not any competition for playing time with the Blue Jays after Russell Martin got traded. And you look at his minor league numbers, really good contact hitter with some pop. I, I think he could stand out in a big way at a thin position. All right, Danny Jansen is the ninth catcher off the board, according to Fantasy Pros. Heath, give me a catcher you love. My catcher's a lot better than Scott's. <laughs> I love JT Realmuto. I took him oh, I, I do too. last night in a roto baller mock in the fourth round, and I just absolutely love it. If you he's, His ADP currently suggests fifth round. I think he should be going in the third round. I think you could make a case for him, at least based on his upside in Philadelphia in that offense to be a second-round pick. Is your favorite move, uh, band the Beatles? <laughs> They're really good. <laughs> like, your favorite movie is The Godfather? I like nice Could things. Could you be more boring? I like nice this? things, Chris. Like, what's the point? You're not helping anyone here. Yes, I am, because J.T. Realmuto in the fourth or fifth round is a discount. Okay, hey, how many catchers in that league that you drafted last night? 24. Two, oh, two catcher league. I'm glad it's just a mock because nobody actually plays in real two catch leagues. Chris Towers, who we do you love? We have a draft tomorrow, I believe. That is a real draft. Is it is that our two catcher league tomorrow, Scott? It's not. It's yeah. Okay, a month away. So just one <laughs> catcher. But the, the two catcher ones are coming. Chris, who do you love? Yasmani Grandal, uh, very talented hitter who we probably haven't seen the best of yet. And now he gets to play in arguably the best hitting park outside of Colorado in the majors, especially for home runs. This is a, a catcher who could hit 260 with 30 home runs. That's going to make him an elite catcher if he gets to those levels. He hit 241 last year with 24 home runs. Grandal was the number two catcher in points leagues, number three in Roto. Of course, going to Miller Park with the Brewers. And uh, you think he could hit 260? That hasn't exactly been his MO. He's been 240, uh, above 240 two years in a row, but usually lower than that. I think... It would probably take a little help uh, from both the the homer-boosting powers of Miller Park and maybe a little help from the Babbitt gods. But yeah, it's totally doable. It's within his reasonable range of outcomes. And he is sixth off the board, according to Fantasy Pros. And here we are on February 14th, and what's amazing is you can probably guess who the first two catchers are in ADP. It's Sanchez 1, Realmuto 2. They're going within five picks of each other. Um, it's possible that most people would be taking Real Muto ahead of Sanchez now after the trade to Philadelphia. Do you know, without cheating, who's third in ADP among catchers right now on Fantasy Pros? I don't know. Uh, my guess would be, since I know it's not Yasmani Grandal, right. my guess would be that it's Wilson Ramos. Uh, Chris? Wilson Contreras. Scott? Another Wilson? One, one of the Wilsons. Nope. Yeah, it one is of the Wilsons. Salvador, Salvador Perez. 
is third off the board. I don't like that. Sanchez fifty fifth. The roto bias. Yeah, yeah, and Perez has been like a top five catcher like four or five years in a row, um, or maybe maybe top six. Uh, Sanchez fifty fifth, Realmuto fifty ninth, Salvador Perez one hundred and twentieth overall. So there are sixty picks in between. Real Muto and Salvador Perez, and then it kind of gets clumped together with a few guys there. Um, all right, so let's yeah. talk about this position. I, mean, I have I have those six catchers in one tier, so I think that makes sense. I just Salvador Perez isn't clearly not the one I'd go with next. I think he's the worst good catcher, if that makes sense. The interesting thing we'll talk about Salvador Perez later, but th- I mean, there's a there are things in his profile from last year that make it look like he should have been better than he was last year, and he's been top five for like five years in a row. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we Okay, we'll get into everybody, but uh, he was a top-five catcher last year, and he had a great hard contact rate, and you might be surprised on which catchers hit the ball the hardest last year. We'll tell you about that. We want you to email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. A uh, quick uh, couple of programming announcements. So people have been asking about the, the release time of these episodes. Uh, as we get closer to the start of the season, they'll start going earlier in the day, so you don't have to worry about that. I know we're, we've been kind of recording late in the afternoon and getting these out. Um, Pretty late. Maybe some people are hearing it the following morning. So I apologize for that, but we'll get on to a more normal schedule. Next week, we'll give you uh, first base, second base, and third base position previews on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're going to be pre-recording the first base preview. We're going to do that on Friday and record it and release it on Monday. And uh, yeah, we're pretty much five days a week starting next week. But we have President's Day on Monday, so we're going to pre-record that one. Uh, JT Realmuto was the number one catcher in fantasy. He was the number 85 uh, catcher in points leagues, number 75 in Roto. So that's not good. Hitter. Uh, yeah, hitter. Yeah. <laughs> number one catcher. That, that's not good, but I, I would expect he's going to be much better this year. And you guys all, ha- and I know you know Chris doesn't have official rankings on the website, but you all would take Real Muto ahead of Sanchez? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I actually would have before the trade, but that that clinched it. And, and I think in a major way, cause it was just, we didn't know where he was going to go. The fact that it was such a dramatic venue change, really reminiscent of what happened to Christian Yelich, with the big difference being Real Muto's home away splits during his time with the Marlins. Obviously an awful place to hit. His home away splits were even more, uh, lopsided than Yelich's were. So yeah, I think, I think there's a potential for him to be uh, a distant first at the position. Distant! Alright. I'll uh, Potentially. I'll question you guys on that a little bit later. We'll break it down. I think it's I think it's appropriate that they're going within five picks of each other. Um, I don't. I do. You don't like like <laughs> okay okay. Then let's get into this now because I, here's here's the thing. Like we're sort of basing you're probably basing your Rayamuto expectations on what he did last year, but that was his best season. So. You know, what if he has like the 2017 version of Rayamuto with a Philly bump? It's not going to be near. It's not going to be as good as 2017. Gary Sanchez. Sanchez hit 33 home runs that year. He's, He's going hit. to beat Sanchez probably by 60 points in batting average. Why do you say maybe that? They've 50, had similar like batting averages. Sanchez hit 278 in 2017 and 299 in 2016. Rayamuto hit yeah, 277 like, last year. Yeah, Real Muto has been 259, 303, 278, 277. Now, uh, being in Philadelphia will certainly help his power, but I don't think it's going to lead to a huge boost in batting average. I think he's going to be between 280 and 300. And Sanchez can well, clearly hit 270. Just the fact that he's hitting more home runs is going to boost his batting average because you don't need any kind of 
Babbitt change to benefit from that. But sure, really, but how the many biggest home runs are we thinking he's going to hit? Twenty-five. Uh, I, I, I'd give him more than that. I, I, if the over/under is twenty-five, I'll take the over. I, I think he could hit thirty potentially. Um, but the biggest difference for me between him and Sanchez is playing time, because Real Muto, one of the advantages he's always had at this position is just how often he plays compared to the average catcher. And I don't see why that would change, especially since Jorge Alfaro went the other way in the trade with the Marlins. Gary Sanchez, meanwhile, became kind of a national story, how much of a defensive liability he was. Plus, he's missed significant portions of the last two seasons with injury. So I, you know, if I'm, I'm going to give Real Muto 135 games, I may only give Sanchez 110, 115, or at least starts. I mean, he played and, 122 uh, in 2017. Right, but that's not much more than one ten, one fifteen, and that was before. But that was when he missed his... time. Okay, well, I expect him to miss time with injury again, and I expect him to miss more time than uh, than he did in twenty seventeen, just because they don't want him behind the plate. Yeah, right, and I think Real Muto is safer because if Sanchez does struggle and he's giving you bad defense, you no, know, he's not. They're not going to completely bench him or anything, but it, they might bench him more than Real Muto would be. Um, Yadier Molina is just some other stats that you want to consider. Give you a little context here. Yadier Molina has been a top four catcher in points leagues in three straight years and a top two catcher in Roto two straight years. And it's not just he's accumulating games anymore. I mean, he's actually been a pretty good hitter, but he is coming off knee surgery and, and kind of struggled at the end of last year. Um, in his last six seasons, Salvador Perez has been a top eight catcher every year and he's been top five in five out of six seasons. Wellington Castillo has been a top 10 catcher in fantasy three straight years before last year when he only played 49 games. But Castillo's draft value, he's the 14th catcher off the board on Fantasy Pros, so that one stood out to me. Keep an eye on Francisco Cervelli. If you play in an OBP league, he's had a 370 OBP or higher in five of his last six seasons. He also was a fly ball revolution guy last year, uh, 41.7% way above his career norm. Uh, Brian McCann, his last two seasons have been his two lowest hard contact rates. Minnesota catcher Williams Ostadio K'd three times in 30 games last year. And <laughs> Seattle, I know it's amazing. Seattle catcher Omar Narvaez, traded from the White Sox. Um, he has a career 366 OBP. So if you're in a deep OBP league, that's really good for a catcher. He walks. That might be all he gives you. Yeah. Adam. Yes. Can I add one more? Yeah. Uh, in the Venezuelan Winter League, Williams Astadio played 55 games, batted 236 times, struck out four times, and two of those were in the same game. <laughs> it's amazing. That means he he didn't strike out in 52 <laughs> of the 50. It it's like a nobody. It's like a like a raise like farmhand, like a fringy. Oh, you actually looked it up. <laughs> he he did an interview with uh with the Effectively Wild podcast. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he didn't strike out in fifty-two of the fifty-five games he played. Let my boy play. <laughs> Is he going to fun player? He's probably. Not I, think play. I think he there's. I think there's virtually MVP. no chance. I think there's virtually no chance he's the Twins' regular catcher. His best hope to 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 be fantasy relevant is to be the backup catcher and get enough starts at other positions. Uh, he played some third base last year, right? Some some center field even. Uh, he could be this super duper utility player who's also the backup catcher and maybe get, you know, close to 400 at bats that way. But even that 
he, even that he even for that he has an uphill let this beautiful swan spread his wings and fly <laughs> minnesota williams Studio, the man does i legitimately I, I, I legitimately think he could be a an easy top 10 catcher if he played even oh, yeah. 55 percent of their games yeah he i don't i don't disagree uh but it's, kind of, it's kind of another avangadis Astudio and I um, are the same height, and I yes. think he has like seventy-five pounds on me. Uh, he's he's beautiful. <laughs> he's the best. We have him at he five nine two twenty-five. Uh, okay, so so keep an eye on him. He'll be he'll be in the sleeper talk. Let's talk about the catcher position in general, fellas. Um, yeah, it's not good. But Chris mentioned on a podcast a little bit earlier. Uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago that. You've got Real Muto at a better park. You've got Gary Sanchez, who's really good. You've got, um, you've got, uh, Yasmani Grandal in a better park. There's some excitement for Wilson Contreras. Wilson Ramos is kind of underrated. And we just talked about the consistency of Salvador Press. It's not, Heath, I'll throw it to you. It's not that bad catcher, is it? At least, you know, how, how deep is it? Six, eight deep where you feel good about these guys? It's a good year for catcher. Are you, are you Heath? I didn't hear you say Heath. I, I'll throw it to you, Heath. <laughs> um, I, I think there are eight to nine guys you can feel very comfortable in. I think there are a couple of guys after that that you that have some upside. Scott mentioned Danny Jansen. I think there's hope for Francisco Mejia, even though he has serious playing time concerns. I almost think it's harder now to punt catcher or just wait on catcher because you figure half the league is going to have a bad one. Because half the league's not going to have a bad one. Maybe a third of the league, maybe only two teams are going to have a really bad catcher. And especially in Roto, in a two-catcher league, they can absolutely destroy your batting average. I'm sorry for interrupting you. That's okay. Scott, what is your overall yeah. catcher strategy? Well, I want... <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with what Heath said, in that I either want one of the last available of those eight which would be Real Muto, Sanchez, both the Wilsons, Grandal, Molina, Posey, Salvador, Perez. Those are the eight. I either want the last available of those, or it just doesn't work out timing-wise. I know Danny Jansen's there to fall back on. If I miss out on him too, Francisco Mejia. And if I miss out on him, uh, yeah. then I'm just taking a catcher with my very last pick because I don't so much care anymore. Yeah, okay, so I think we all sort of see things the same way. Uh, yeah, go on, Scott. Sorry. I, I mean, I would. I, I didn't mention this, but if Real Muto's available in round four, that's going to be a pretty high priority for me. I'm saying I'm not, I'm not saying I'm taking him every time, but, uh, but that's, I think he's absolutely worth it at that point. Like he was saying earlier as well. Okay. He's all over it today. Heath so, is all over the catchers. <laughs> so, Real Muto, Sanchez, Contreras, Ramos, Grandal, uh, Posey, Molina, Perez. In a similar order, that's Scott's, uh, top eight. After that, he's looking at Jansen and Mejia. After that, he's just waiting and waiting and waiting and taking someone really late. Heath, you, do you basically see it the same way with those eight? I know you have Danny Jansen ahead of Molina. You have Jansen eight, Molina nine in, in points leagues. You know, my, my catcher strategy is, is morphing into just draft JT Real Muto. Because I think he's more valuable than it seems like everyone else does. So I don't have a hard time getting him at the beginning of the fourth round. If I had to pick at the end of the third and was afraid somebody might take him, I don't think it's a bad pick to take him at the end of the third round. And then I don't have to worry about catcher anymore. 
so yeah, if you have a pick at the end of the third round, there's no way you're getting him if you don't take him there. Well, then you have a beginning of the fourth. No. The hard part is if you have a pick at the beginning of the third. Yeah. Then right. you might miss out on them altogether. Right. So are you going to take Real Muto or are you going to take somebody like Carlos Correa, Anthony Rizzo, these guys who are we see falling into the mid to late third round? I'm going to take Real See, Muto. that's the thing. There, there are some really studly hitters at that point. And even though Real Muto, you know, the part of the case I made for him is just how durable, how consistently he's in the lineup. Catchers still, as, as a general rule, they take a beating. They're, they're more... Uh, susceptible to injury than anyone else, and, and he was you're also, and you're also relying on Real Muto to do something he's never done before, which I think he will. But it's you know, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. So yeah. I I don't there there is a level of hitter that I couldn't pass up for the position scarcity angle with Real Muto, and I think Rizzo definitely is among that uh, that group that I couldn't pass up. Uh, I don't know about Correa because shortstop's pretty deep. But Starling Starling Marte in a roto league. How about Starling Marte in a roto league? In a roto league, yeah, I think I'd need to secure those steals first. Okay. Um. So we're getting a sense of the earliest you guys will take a catcher, Chris. How does your strategy, Chris? You get to go now. How does your strategy change in a two catcher league? I want to get two of the top (laughs) ten catchers in a two catcher league. I mean, if I can't get Real Muto or Sanchez, and that's my strategy in every league, I want one of those two. If I can't, I'm probably just going to wait until like the 170 or later range to to get my catchers. Um, I did that in one recent mock we had, and I think I got Francisco Cervelli and Danny Jansen. I'm fine with that. Okay. Uh, could If you don't look at catcher at all in a two-catcher league and you end up with, you know, I'll just look at Heath's catchers 20 and 21. Uh, well, Austin Barnes and Brian McCann. Is that okay? I mean, obviously you're not going to be good at catcher, but. No. But, but that's okay no. sometimes. Like, you don't have to be good at catcher to win. It depends on what the rest of my offense looks like. I have to have a really good right. offense to justify that because those guys you're, are really going to drag you down. You're not doomed to lose. I mean, no catcher is going to give you. Except for maybe Real Muto and maybe Sanchez. No catcher is going to give you 80 of runs or RBI, you know? Right. Uh, so they're, they're all going to be in that 50 to 70 range. It's just it, a lot of it's batting average, home runs to an extent, uh, but only for, only for a handful. I like it. Wilson Contreras. I don't know what to expect from him in terms of home runs. I think he'll, he'll, uh, del- outscore the average catcher in most every other category. Uh, but will the difference in home runs between him and Wellington Castillo? I mean, Castillo might out homer. So I, I, I think especially in a roto league where you're not, you're only looking at those five categories and not the totality of everything a player contributes, like in a points league. Uh, I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad idea. It just depends on. It, it depends on what you're able to do by passing up catcher and what advantages you're able to gain that way. Let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts, one of each. Uh, I'll go to Scott first. Scott, who's your favorite sleeper catcher? So I'm going to say Austin Barnes is the sleeper um, just because he's somebody who can get really late. And look, it could be 
he could he could wind up being useless and you'll know it by mid-May and and we'll move on. But if particularly in a two-catcher league, if uh you know, you're waiting until the end of a draft to take your second catcher, I, I still think Barnes has intriguing upside. Last year I thought he was going to be the biggest breakout at the position because uh, he got on base a lot. He showed some power in a in a backup role in 2017. He made a lot of contact. It it never worked out for him. I think largely because he had an elbow injury in spring training that just derailed everything. It delayed him at the start of the season. Uh, the Dodgers decided pretty early on Grundahl was going to be the main guy when there was some doubt about that last offseason, whether they'd go Grundahl or Barnes. But Barnes should enter healthy this year. He should have a a clear hold on the the starting catcher job. And we'll see if he can get the numbers closer to what they were in 2017. If so, he could be a huge bargain. All right, Austin Barnes for Scott. Heath, uh, your favorite sleeper catcher? I'll go with Jorge Alfaro. We talked about him a little bit yesterday, but he hits the ball very hard. And the Marlins, historically, we talked about it with Real Moto, like to play their starting catcher more often than other teams do. I think he has some decent power potential, and he's still young enough to where he could improve that god-awful strikeout rate. (laughs) Chris, favorite sleeper? Yeah, I'll go with Carson Kelly. Um, Never really had a chance to play with St. Louis, but was a top prospect for a while. I know the numbers started to tail off in AAA the last couple of seasons, but I feel like if you know you have zero chance to play, in the organization that has you, and you're going back to AAA for, I think, the third time, your motivation levels might not be as high as they would be otherwise. There was just no chance he was going to play in St. Louis, and so now he's going to be probably the full-time catcher in Arizona. I like it. The profile's not that dissimilar from Danny Jansen. Uh, A little worse of a hitting environment, probably a worse park, but... He's yeah. gone surprisingly undervalued, I think, relative to all of the excitement about Danny Jansen, which I agree with. I just don't think there's yeah. that much of a difference. It's it's like Danny Jansen with the volume turned down. I, I feel like the best case, case scenario for both is pro- like we're talking the best case, not the most likely by any stretch. But the best case scenario for both is something like an in his prime Jonathan Lucroy. Uh I, I did see a note just the other day that the Diamondbacks are plan on carrying three catchers and are going to use them all some amount. So maybe Carson Kelly's at-bats won't be quite what we're hoping for. But if he's the best of them, I mean, Alex Avila and John Ryan Murphy... Is that the other guy? Or Caleb I'm not Joseph. Sure I got the name right. Yes, Scott. So you are referencing. I wanted to do this. I wanted to, you know, shame Chris and say, "Hey, Chris, have you ever heard of this I'm not website? Him. CBSSports.com, because we have an update that says Kelly is expected, expected to split time with two other catchers in 2019, according to the Athletic. But no, I mean, look, he, he could obviously win that job because it is Alex Avila and either John Ryan Murphy or Caleb Joseph, and they're going to apparently use three catchers. But Kelly's got the talent, and um, good call on the sleeper there. Those guys aren't good. So I, yeah, I'm, yeah. if if Carson right. Kelly hits the way we think he can, I'm not particularly worried about that, especially with his defensive skills. All right, I've got some guys that are not exciting, but at the end of the year might show up higher in the catcher standings than you might think. I'll wait to see if you say them as breakouts. So Heath, uh, Chris, rather, I'll start with you. Let's go Chris, Heath, Scott. Give me your favorite breakout, Chris. Uh, it's probably going to have to be someone we've already talked about for all three of us, so I'll pick... Grandal. 
Uh, for all the reasons I laid out as the catcher that I love, I really like the park improvement. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot more opportunities for run production. I know the Dodgers lineup was good, but this Brewers lineup uh, has the potential to be really, really great this year. Um, I'm a big fan of Yasmani Grandal. I always have been. I think this is the year he puts it all together. Heath, breakout. Uh, Danny Jansen was in my breakouts column, so I should probably say Danny Jansen for the breakout catcher. And I do think that he has a chance to be, even though he hit 247 or something in the majors last year, he has a chance to be one of the few catchers that helps in batting average. I expect, like Scott said, and like I said yesterday, he's going to play a lot. And so he should be pretty good in the run production numbers. And he could give you 10 to 15 home runs as well. And uh, so is he a roto breakout, Danny Jansen, or is he going to be a points league specialist with his? I think he'd be better in points unless the batting average is really good. Yeah. I mean, right, because the plate discipline is so good. It'd be hard for him to be bad in points, but he should be, you know, must start in both. Okay. And who's your breakout, Scott? I was going to go with Jansen, who I already used as the catcher I love, but since I think we've covered him thoroughly, I'm going to throw Omar um, Nar- Narvaez's name out there. As you mentioned earlier, Adam, he had a high OBP last year. Always. But I, I think it could get even better because he doesn't strike out much. He has a line drive rate close to 30%. I, it, it looks like he's a potential... 300 hitter if everything breaks right and not only that he homered nine times in 280 at bats now that was with the white Sox. he's with the mariners now and you know that's a tougher place to hit so but you know 14 15 home runs if he has a good batting average good opp uh i haven't talked about I, we haven't talked about him at all on this podcast and, and maybe we should start because he looks like an interesting Interesting bat. Yeah, I looked at all the batted ball data this morning on Nervaez, and he hits a lot of ground balls and 28.6 hard contact mm-hmm. rate, which is why 42% I... 42% ground ball rate. That's not that bad. Well, okay, maybe he doesn't hit that many fly not balls then. Good. He doesn't hit that many fly balls, I guess, maybe is... A he doesn't hit many it. fly balls. So, yeah, one thing yeah. I would note is the expected stats from Baseball Savant had him hitting 252 last year when he actually hit 275, so... You know, at least on that basis. You've uh, cited that number a few times. I, I'm very curious to know what goes into that because it just it doesn't seem to mesh with uh, well, the, what, what I we would presume to know about line drive rate. What I would say about there's two different data sources. There's Sports Info Solutions, which is what the batted ball data on fan graphs comes from, and that's more grouping things into buckets. It's based on a a formula for how fast the ball was moving, where it landed. Um, what baseball, pers- what baseball savants takes into account is it takes the ball as it was hit, the trajectory, the velocity, where it was hit on the field, and compares it to other similar balls and what the results were. So I, I, there's a little, I, neither one, especially line drive rate, is not particularly sticky year over year. Um, and the expected stats haven't necessarily been either, but I find them to be a pretty good description of what should have happened, if not what will happen. All right, the guys I wanted to mention, just in case you didn't get to them, is players who they are probably not going to have a huge impact on your team, but they might end up as top 12 catchers. Uh, I did want to say Narvaez. He might be more like top 15, but Scott laid out a nice case for Narvaez. Uh, Tucker Barnhart was 7th in points, 13th in Roto last year. He walks a lot, so he's better in points probably. 
Uh, in fact, he's been better in points um, every year. Uh, but he's been top 14 in points leagues three years in a row. Tucker Barnhart and Mike Zanino. He had an oblique injury in spring training last year, kind of threw his season out of whack. But I think, you know, a realistic line for Zunino would be a low 200s batting average with 23-ish home runs. And that's probably somebody who's going to be a top 12 roto catcher. Uh, and he's going, I think, 12th in ADP, so it makes sense. Uh, alright, busts. Let's go, let's go Heath, Scott, Chris with the busts. Heath, give me a bust. I, it's so hard to say bust at catcher because the, none of them are very good, but I'll, I'll go with Yadier Molina just to stick with the not liking old guys. He is going to turn 37 years old this year. He did just play in 123 games last year, which was his lowest since 2014. He had a 750 OPS, which was his lowest since 2015. And there, he could fall off the cliff at any given moment. And one other thing, he spent about a third of the year hitting second for the Cardinals. I don't imagine with their acquisitions that's much of a chance this year. Yeah, he also had, uh, I think, offseason knee surgery. It was a minor procedure, but you're playing with fire, I think, a little bit with Grunt, with uh, Molina with his age. And, Scott, who's your bust? Going to go with Sal Pal. Sal, oh, Sal, Sal, <laughs> Sal Palantonio. Terrible year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hi, Sal Pal, that's not a good nickname for Salvador Perez. But his the problem with Salvador Perez is he's basically all home runs at this point. His batting average, which started out high in his career, uh, he's sold out so much for power that now it's a liability. He doesn't get on base apart from batting average, so the runs scored, particularly in that lineup, are going to be low. And particularly in that lineup, I don't think we can count for that RBI total again. If something goes wrong with his swing, if if just all the innings he has on his legs catch up to him all of a sudden and he hits half as many home runs as he did a year ago, he is uh, Jan Gomes in a best case and possibly even worse than that. All right, so Heath, you mentioned earlier there were some indicators that Perez may have been a little unlucky last year. He had a career-low BABIP and a career-high hard contact rate, so... Are you all, and yesterday when we previewed every team on Wednesday's show, Chris had Salvador Perez as his Royals bust. So what do you think about Perez? I do think if you look at what he did last year with a 20% line drive rate, which was just about his career average, a 46% hard contact rate and only a 12% soft contact rate, which is, which means it wasn't like he just took a lot of that medium contact and turned it into hard contact. He's a guy that puts the bat on the ball a lot, was hitting it very hard hit 27 home runs, and probably should have had a 260 average. If he hits 260 with the mid-20s and home runs, and even as bad as that Royals offense is, he hits fourth and he drove in 80 last year, just like he did the year before. I I think he's going to be better than he was last year. I don't think anybody thinks yeah, the, he should be the third catcher off the board, but uh, I he's pretty consistent with the I don't think he has runs. the upside of Grandal or Ramos or Contreras, and so that's why I wouldn't take him as the third catcher off the board. I have no problem with saying he's not going to be worth that, but they're all basically going within a round, two rounds of each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it makes that big of a difference because I do think he's probably the safest catcher. And the basis for me calling him a bust is more, one, the Royals don't really have anybody who could possibly bust except for Mondesi, and he's just logged a ton of innings. And we've seen a few injuries over the last couple of years. I think he had knee surgery 2017 as well. So yep, that's mostly the concern for me. I think he's risky. Yeah. It's unfortunately it's the position's getting older, you know, other than other, I guess, right. Other than Sanchez and, and Ray Amuto, 
Like nobody's well, really in there. Yeah, well, I mean, Wellington, uh, or excuse me, Wilson Ram Contreras, twenty eight. So right, like, Wilson you, Contreras. You look at with those guys in that range. Wilson Ramos would have to be considered pretty risky. He's missed a ton of time due to injuries. Buster Posey, we don't even know if he's going to be ready for opening day. I mean, there's not a lot. Yadi Molina's thirty six years old. There's not a lot of safe catchers. And Contreras is going to be 27 in May. So Sanchez is the youngest. He's 26 years old, at least of the, the guys we're talking about right now. Chris, who's your bust? Um, I'm really scared of Francisco Cervelli. He's not super expensive, but he's someone that you will see go, uh, you know, sometimes around 12. I like the skill set. I like the changes that he made, but I think he's had four concussions in his career now, missed a significant amount of time. Last year, as a result of that, that's a real red flag at the catcher position. And, you know, one of the other things about that is uh, Elias Diaz, his backup, was really good last year. Arguably was better um, as a hitter and as a defensive player. Better framing. Um, so, Francisco Cervelli might not even be the best catcher on his own team if what Diaz did last year was real. It wouldn't shock me uh, if they started splitting time more evenly. Scott, are there any prospects that might matter this year that could help us with this awful position? <laughs> well, I think the ones who could matter, we've, we've already mentioned Danny Jansen and Francisco Mejia being the biggest two. Uh, I don't think Carson Kelly technically qualifies as a prospect anymore, but obviously we haven't seen much of him in the majors. Uh, beyond that, there's not a lot of hope for a midseason rival. I mean, Williams uh, Studios technically uh, has rookie eligibility, so we could call him a prospect. Chris would. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not counting on some. Like, I'm not counting on Joey Bart getting called up for the Giants this year or anything like that. It's 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 pretty. Scott, looking at pretty your column, sad state in the minors. You do call Sean Murphy a potential midseason call up. He's a catcher in the Athletics uh, organization, so just to state there that you one. go. Okay, we There's have that one. It, and it's it's true. They're still looking for their starting catcher, so that's a good point. We haven't talked uh, about Wilson Contreras. We haven't talked about Buster Posey. We haven't talked that much about Wilson Ramos and what he's capable of doing. And we haven't really talked about uh, Mejia, uh, you know, and how he ranks compared to Danny Jansen. So we're going to get into all that with a complete ADP review right after this. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing 
To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. So before we get into ADP, I wanted to talk about the hard contact rate among catchers last year. It's kind of hilarious. Who hit the ball the hardest among catchers with 250 plate appearances or more in 2018? Tyler Flowers, number one, Salvador Perez, Yadier Molina, Robinson Chirinos, Jan Gomes, Nick Hundley. Flowers, Sal, Sal Palantonio Perez, uh, Molina, Chirinos, Gomes, Nick Hundley. Would you like to hear something hilarious? That's, that wasn't hilarious enough? No. Okay. If you lower <laughs> the eligibility to 234 plate appearances, Alex Avila led the majors in hard hit <laughs> last season. And I think he was like top five the year before. Catcher's awesome. He's not good, uh, but apparently he hits the crap out of the ball. Okay. This is this is one of the reasons why I don't put a lot of stock into hard contact rate as uh, a predictive hitter metric. I mean, it, it's it's not meaningless. It, it's part of the the package, but it it's not close to my favorite because the leaderboard always looks random like that. You know? Yeah, I mean that was pretty eye opening for me. Uh, okay, so. Those are those hard contact stats. I just, if you're wondering what's a good statistic for catchers when you're drafting, based on the last two years, batting average, you know, if you're in the 270s, that's going to be good. On base percentage, 330s would probably be pretty good. Home runs, uh, here are the amount of catchers that have hit 20 home runs the last three seasons. Seven, six, five in the last three seasons. So if you hit 20, you're in good shape. RBIs, about 70 RBIs would probably probably make you top four. About 60 would probably be about top eight. And 60 runs would probably probably be top four. 50 runs would probably be top ten. So I guess to sum it up, about 110 runs plus RBIs is, is going to put you in the top ten, if not higher. About 120 Very probably puts you top four. So when you're looking at stats on draft day, consider that. Time now for some ADP. All right, Gary Sanchez, 55th, Ray Amuto, 59th. I don't know what else there is to say about this. Obviously, we think that's way too low for Ray Amuto. We've already talked about maybe in the third round, Ray Amuto being okay. How about Gary Sanchez? It, you know, let's not forget when he first came up, 2016, he batted 299 with 20 home runs in 53 games. He backed it up as the number one catcher in 2017. Uh, he got hurt. He played 122 games, yet he averaged more fantasy points per game in 2017 than Buster Posey ever did in his career. Uh, he, had, he had a 278 average with 33 homers in 122 games, and he was a top 50 hitter despite going on the DL in Roto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was terrible last yeah. year, no question. So where would you guys take Gary Sanchez? I, I would take him. be a little low. Sorry. So Chris says a little low at 55. Scott? 55. So 55 is still, Mid-round it's a fifth five. round pick. Yep. 
That's probably about where I'd take him. I'd, I'd take him around after Rio Muto. And I feel like the best case scenario is similar for both uh, in, in terms of overall contributions. The best case scenario for Sanchez has him hitting more home runs than Rio Muto. But I feel like they would be about the same in overall production if everything goes perfectly. It's just Sanchez. I think there's a lot more risk with him. Heath, cool. I would say like this, the Sanchez home run potential – that 2017 season, he had a 25% home run to fly ball rate. Last year, it was 18. I think 18 is probably closer to what we should expect than 25. Um, I'm fine with him in the fifth round. I have no problem with that, and I could see late fourth. All right, the third catcher off the board is Salvador Perez, but we'll just group all these guys together, because starting with pick 120, and remember, if you missed what I said earlier, there are 60 picks in between number two, Real Muto, and number three, Perez. Um, Perez... Wilson Contreras spells his name with uh, two L's. Wilson Ramos with one L. Grandal Molina Posey. They're all going rounds 10 through 13. Perez, Contreras, Ramos, Grandal, Molina, Posey. Who's the number three catcher in fantasy, Heath? Um, I would, I would expect that it should be Contreras in Roto. I think I'd rather have Ramos in points. Scott, who's number three for you? It's Contreras. Things went pretty colossally wrong for him last year, and he was still an obvious must-start catcher. So when you when you consider that, um, we already saw the worst-case scenario, and he was still pretty good. I don't think we've seen the best-case scenario from him, and the best case might be uh, more in line with the real Muto. So he's my number three. Yeah, does Contreras I'm have? Terrified of, does he have that upside? I'm terrified of Wilson Contreras. <laughs> he, he was fifth in points, tenth in roto last year, which really isn't good. It was such a bad year for catcher. He played 138 games, which is great, but you know, no more Chili Davis. That's nice. We saw at the end of 2017, after the All Star break, he was great. 305 batting average, 407 on base, 586 slugging, with 10 home runs and almost one walk per strikeout in 38 games. Uh, and we were hoping that would carry over. Does does Contreras? He, Chris, you're terrified of him. Does he have the upside of a Sanchez and a Real Muto? I suppose you can say that, but it's never really been in his skill set. Uh, the production the first two years of his career was very good, um, but the underlying skills never totally backed that up. Like he doesn't hit the ball especially hard he doesn't hit the ball he doesn't hit line drives at all that's actually i said earlier that line drive percentage is one of the more random stats but his has been between 17.2 and 17.9 percent so and i think the just to interject the biggest problem with that is that it's not like he's not hitting line drive but he hits a lot of fly balls he just doesn't hit the ball in the air right like last year his expected batting average was 220 his expected slugging percentage was 353. Okay, last year was terrible though. Like, what about 2017? Uh, he was his he overperformed his expected numbers a little bit his first two years, but last year was a major difference. And I mean, look, Gary Sanchez Good. didn't hit the ball well either last year, so I'm not burying Wilson Contreras, but. I mean, he he had a 24 and a 26% home run to fly ball ratio in 2016 and 2017 with 
sort of average-ish hard contact rates. Um, well, I, that's what that's what was weird about Contreras's uh, 2018 is he went from twice two years in a row being one of having one of the best home run to fly ball rates in baseball to suddenly he had one of the worst. Most everything else was pretty similar. His uh, hard contact and, rate cratered last year, right? And 2018 cratered? basically represents about half represents about half of his career. So we can't exactly say that 2016 and 2017 are the real ones, and 2018 was the outlier. We're well, still dealing know. with a small sample. I, I don't know, but I I think it's more likely. Nine point three home run to fly ball rate is ridiculously low. Like, yeah, it's. I have a, I have a much harder for, time believing that. It's about what you'd expect for a twenty nine percent hard contact rate, especially in an environment where the league average hard contact rate jumped. You know, I'd, three I or 4% I wouldn't say it cratered because he he was thirty two and thirty five his first two years, twenty nine. The next, like that's that's within the same basic range. But right, that's in so, a totally different environment. But let let's let me uh, let me interject, right? So, um, if if this group of six catchers, and they are again Perez, Contreras, Ramos, Grandal, Molina, and Posey, who has the most upside in that group? Scott, who do you think has the most upside? I think. I think probably Contreras. Uh, you could make a case for Grandal or Ramos, but probably Contreras. Heath Chris. Yeah, in points, I think it's probably Buster Posey. Just because he was not healthy at all last year, and he still hit 285, and he was still one of the top three catchers on a per-game basis. And if he's ready for opening day and back to his old self of just even hitting 15 home runs, he's probably close to back to a 300 average again. And he gets on base and doesn't strike out. Yeah, that would require bucking a really large trend of catcher, which is basically that everybody hits the wall at 30 and doesn't come back, unless you're, I guess, Mike Piazza. Um, so the highest ceiling outside of Realmuto and Sanchez is what we're asking? Yeah. I think it's probably Grandal. Uh, his, just his walk rate, his batted ball skills, I think that all you know, could make him... Not that much worse than Gary Sanchez's, you know, maybe 80th percentile outcome uh, if things go right. So I, I think it's not hard based on ADP. These guys are going round 10 or later. It's not hard to get one of these eight catchers, you know, or two of those six catchers who are after Sanchez and Ray Amuto. Um, you, you might not want to be the guy or the girl in your league that doesn't have one of those. We talked about that earlier. Uh, is there anyone in this group that you just cannot see drafting? And I'll say that I am not going to draft Buster Posey in a Roto League. I do agree with you, Heath. It seems like all you really have to do in a points league at catcher to be good and worth starting is have good plate discipline. It's going to take you a long way and play a lot. And if he's healthy, if he's good to go, and there was an encouraging report about Posey today, if he's good to go at least early in the season, maybe he doesn't play opening day. Yeah, Posey might, might have a really boring season where it looks like he's really declining and still end up as a top five catcher. But in a roto league, I just I have no interest in him. Um, how about you guys? You know, there one guy. One thing, you, yeah. one thing to remember. One thing to remember about Posey is he was playing with a torn labrum in his hip all of last year. Yeah. So I know you think it's good uh, that he I, had I the think, surgery, but I I think it's bad that he's like breaking down. <laughs> you know, he's just gotten worse. I would rather him have a repaired labrum in his hip than a torn one again. I, I would agree with that. that. 
we could we could agree. We could agree. Yeah. I, I would just I rather. I would just he's, rather he's, not. I think there's a chance him. his numbers actually improve. Yeah, I would rather not draft a 32-year-old catcher coming off those kind of injuries. Um, full stop. So you're out on Molina, too? Sure. I mean, uh, those are two players that I don't think I've drafted at all so far. Yeah, Molina's tough. I, I don't know Always underestimating it. Molina. I, right? He's always <laughs> right there near the top. What do you every think? Year. It, it, you know, is he uh, safe? He was the number three catcher in points, I, number two in Roto. Molina. I mean, I can't call anybody on the wrong side of 35 safe, but I, I think there's really no risk at the point you're drafting him. He's somebody I, you know, I, I said at the top that I like to take the last of those six available. That often means I'm taking Molina. Salvador Perez is probably the one I just want to draft. He, too much downside for that little bit of power boost that he gives you. Uh, I won't draft yeah. him as a third catcher, but if he, if he's, if it's him or Molina, I'm taking Perez every time. Heath, uh, give us a little love for Wilson Ramos. We haven't talked about him. What do you expect from Wilson Ramos this year? I expect Wilson Ramos to be back to the hitter that he's been basically whenever he's been healthy the last three years. He's got a chance to help you in both batting average and the power numbers. And I, I think he's got as good a chance to, as anybody to finish as a top three catcher and top two if one of those guys gets hurt. Um, this is a guy who hit 306 last year in 416 plate appearances, 2016, he hit 307 and 22 home runs that year, 15 last year. I, I think he'd be a 20 homer guy with an average around 300 that gives you decent run production numbers for the position. Yeah, let me give you what, you know, I crunched on Wilson Ramos. In 2016, uh, he was the number three catcher in fantasy. 307 with 22 home runs. He played 131 games. Last year, he played 111 games. If you had given him the same amount of games, 131 as he played, as Ramos played in 2016, uh, he once again would have been, I believe, the, uh, the number three catcher. So he, cause he had very similar seasons, 2016 and, and 18. What happened in 2017? He got off to a terrible start. He was coming off ACL surgery and then his last 32 games, he was great. He had a 963 OPS. So he's been a pretty good hitter for most of the last three seasons. Of course, there's always, uh, the injury risk, but you know, that there's upside and age. there. Yeah, but he's with 31, Wilson Ramos. Um, yeah, he'll turn 32 mid. He's young <laughs> compared to some of these guys. All right, let's uh, let's go to the next two, and they are Danny. J- well, actually, uh, the next three, I guess, because they're all uh, prospects at one point. Danny Jansen, Francisco Mejia, and Jorge Alfaro. They're all they're nine, ten, and eleven in uh, ADP. Now everybody has Alfaro well past Jansen and Mejia, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. No, but you have the you have him last of the three, just not well. Am I wrong? I, I do. I've got Jansen separated from Mejia and Alfaro, and then I've got Mejia and Alfaro at twelve and thirteen. But I've got oh, Jansen right. at eight. I'm sorry about that. Okay, so Alfaro though Heath, is there a big difference in your points versus Roto rankings? Because his plate discipline is obviously dreadful, and that hurts in points leagues. It, it, that does hurt in points league, but if he plays more than games than the average catcher, then he can kind of make up for that a little bit. Okay. So I don't have a big difference just because the main reason, like, I don't think the mean expectation for Mejia is really very good this year with Austin Hedges there and their current situation. And the main reason I'm taking Mejia or Alfaro as a 12 or 13 catcher is because I missed out on catcher entirely and I'd rather have someone with upside. I can find a Mike Zanino, Tucker Barnhart, Robinson Chirinos on the waiver wire. Yeah, so Mejia, I mean, we've talked a lot about Jansen. Scott, what is it that we like about Mejia? It seems like, is it possible he was just a product of the PCL? 
Oh no, he's been he's been considered the top catcher prospect for many years before he ever before he ever played in the PCL. He had a 50 game hitting streak in the minors back when he was in the Indian system. He he has really good bat on ball skills and uh, uh, enough power that with those kind of bat on ball skills, once he's playing every day, going to threaten for 20 home runs, I think, pretty easily. So. Uh, though there's a ton of upside there. My my only concern with Mejia is can the Padres justify sticking him behind the plate when they have defensive standout Austin Hedges there? And it may eventually come to pass that Mejia does wind up at a position other than catcher. He fought that with the Indians organization, which is why he's now with the Padres. But uh, it's they're they're going to have to make a concerted effort to. Stick him back there and hope for the best if uh, if he's going to be the, the fantasy asset we want him to be this year. And Jansen, Mejia, Alfaro, 11, or 9, 10, and 11 in ADP, they are at least 50 picks behind, you know, the top eight. So there's a, there's a huge drop in ADP. Does Jorge Alfaro deserve to be the 11th catcher off the board? He's going ahead of Mike Zanino. I mean, they're, aren't they basically the same guy? Robinson Chirinos, Wellington Castillo, who, like I said, he, Wellington Castillo consistently finishes, you know, he, he's probably going a little bit too late. He's 13th. Maybe he should be like 10th, uh, 11th. I don't know. Uh, not a huge discre- uh, discrepancy there. He's 14th. Sorry, Castillo. Um, Anyway, yeah, Chris, what do you think about Jorge Alfaro uh, with 11th ADP at Monk Catchers? We're talking about outside of the top 200 here, right? Yes. To, in fact, outside the top up. 250. Yeah, you should be chasing upside at this point. Um, and Jorge Alfaro right now is less of a baseball player than an athlete, but he is an impressive, <laughs> impressive athlete. His... You know, he had 44% of his batted balls last year were hit 95 mile per hour or plus. That's an extremely good number. His average, his average sprint speed was higher than among others, AJ Pollock, uh, Jose Altuve, Will Myers, Rugnet Odor, Ian Desmond, Mookie Betts. <laughs> He's an athlete. He's a really, really impressive athlete. He's a, a huge bag of tools and, if he just becomes a little bit bas- it sounds like an insult, Chris. Come on. I'm glad now. you called him a bag of tools and didn't realize yeah, not, those words differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he gets 15% better at actually playing baseball, and I know this is like damning with faint praise here, but he could be really special. And just to give him a little more credit as a as a baseball player, he's he's pretty good defensively, right? Yeah, he took a huge step forward last year. That was actually the knock on him as a prospect, but he took a big step forward in his receiving and calling of games. Uh, people were very impressed in Philadelphia, and so and he's got a rocket arm. That's yeah, and he's also yeah he he could probably throw 98 miles an hour on the mound. So that the defensive improvements do speak to his ability to improve, and maybe. After making that leap, now he can start focusing more on hitting. Maybe that was what the Phillies emphasized last year with defense. He uh, is someone that just needs to get a little bit better at a couple of things, and he could easily be a top five to seven catcher. And I say that as someone who's there's not super high on Jorge Alfaro. There's no way we're taking him 11th overall in a points league. I mean, I understand the ADPs, obviously, for standard five-by-five five categories, but... Um, his strikeout rate is 
off the charts terrible. It's 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 kind of like another Mike Zunino, right. I think. Like he he Alfaro Alfaro managed to hit 260 last year, but it was with a 400 Babbitt. That I don't care how hard you hit the ball, probably can't rely on that happening again. Um, he needs to cut way down on his strikeouts to to be even respectable in batting average. Uh, and obviously in points leagues where the strikeouts, the lack of walks have a direct consequence. You're taking Cervelli over him. You're taking, uh, Chirinos. Castillo. Wellington Castillo. I mean, th- those guys aren't even great plate disciplines themselves, guys themselves, but they're just not as awful as Alfaro is. Yeah. In, in Roto, I said this earlier, but Wellington Castillo, he got hurt last year. He was having a fine year. 259, six home runs, uh, seven doubles and 49 games. Not great, but um, before that, he'd been a top 10 catcher in Roto three straight years and was 12 through 15, um, I think, in points those three years. But uh, A lot yeah. of that was just being present, right? Yeah, yeah, but he does it. Yeah, but he, he was present. But Big deal at catcher. Right, but he can a hit t- you 20 homers. A top 12 homers. catcher is the participation ribbon of fantasy baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we're at in ADP. So let's go four at a time to end the show and... And I'll give a group of four, and you guys tell me just who you like. So after Alfaro, it's Zunino, Chirinos, Castillo, and Ostadio. That is a terrific group of all guys ending with O, except Chirinos kind of screws it up. But for this, for the sake of this segment, we will call him Chirino. Zunino, Chirino, Castillo, Ostudio. Um, <laughs> Heath, who, who do you, who stands out there? I mean, I think it depends on what you need. Chirino. Has been uh, <laughs> has been better than these guys at, for short stretches. Castillo has been remarkably safe when he's been healthy. Zanino has that power that is so so tempting, even though he can't seem to uh, make contact with the ball often enough. I think I love Williams Estudio. Chris, don't don't say take this personally. I I don't think he really belongs in a category with these guys because I don't think he's going to get a chance to play and it's terrible. I hate it. But that that he's 14th uh, in NFBC ADP at catcher as well and it's just that's getting way out over your skis. Um, and you know I say that as the president of the of the fan club, but he he if he gets the job if he gets 300 plate appearances I think he'll be worth that draft cost, but I think that's unlikely. Did we get a, did we get an answer there? Like if you were gonna take one of them, Zanino, Torino, Castillo, Ostadio, who would that who would it be? Castillo. All right, next group. Yeah, of I'd four. take Torino. Torinos, Torino. All right, next group of four is Jan Gomes. More like W. No, more like Y A W N Gomes. Am I right? Yawn Gomes, like yawn. Yawn. Yeah. yeah right. Yawn. Like uh, Fra- I get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. Francisco Cervelli. Uh, the guy that Ostadio is trying to be, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Omar Narvaez, Jan Gomes, Francisco Cervelli, Kiner-Falefa, Omar Narvaez. Scott, who would you take in that group? Say the names again, because I think Narvaez. Uh, Gomes, Cervelli, mm-hmm. Kiner-Falefa, mm-hmm. Narvaez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Narvaez is the one I like the most. I think I probably have Jan Gomes ranked higher. Because I don't know if Narvaez is going to play at all against um, against lefties, but I mean Gomes has Kurt Suzuki backing him up in Washington, so there could be playing time issues there as well. Yeah, I might need to move my, uh, Narvaez up. I'll say Cervelli. 
Yeah, does anybody get excited about Cervelli's fly ball revolution last year? I did last year, but Chris brings up a good point at how good uh, his backup Elias Diaz was. Uh, and Cervelli's uh, kind of old, be, injury he prone. He could be a concussion away from never playing again. It's, yeah. it's, once you hit that point where you've had that money, you know, you could get career altering. Or the Pirates, I mean, Diaz could have a really good spring training and the Pirates could just decide to walk with Elias. <laughs> okay. Uh, Omar Narvaez was 19th in ADP. Many of our listeners do. And you know what? I don't get it, but I know it was a pun, so I left. So here are a few more. 20 through, <laughs> 20 through 24 we'll do. Austin Hedges, Tucker Barnhart, number seven in points last year. Jonathan Lucroy, John Hicks, Austin Barnes. I know Scott's going to say Barnes here. Hedges, Barnhart, Lucroy, Hicks, and Barnes. Any interest there, guys? I'll go with Barnhart. I think in that park with an improved lineup and his uh, relatively good plate discipline, he could have a uh, a good year as a number two catcher. Yeah. He was the ultimate participation ribbon catcher last year. I think he had the fourth most at-bats. Third uh, most walks. Which, you know. That's that's fine. That's that's uh, that counts for a lot of disposition in particular. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but i I think i I think I'd roll the dice on Austin Barnes over Barnhart. Okay, and then we've got Carson Kelly. Even after that, that we're twenty four deep at catcher. Um, a lot of backups. Brian McCann. Anybody think Brian McCann has something left in the tank? I think he is cooked. Brian McCant. It would not shock me I, if he I, was cut. Uh, wow. midway through the season. I, I know they kind of brought him in just to be a clubhouse <laughs> presence, but wait, can, can uh, we, yeah. can we not, let's not Scott, waste time on catcher? him. Who's the After catcher? The returned, Braves have the prospect. They have Tyler flowers. No, the, the prospect. The prospect. They have a guy in AAA. Oh yeah. He was terrible last year. Austin Jackson. Yeah. Brian, uh, Brian, no, not, was not Austin Jackson, year. Alex Jackson. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think McCann has something after knee surgery. He was basically the same guy. He was, during his whole time in New York. I mean, he doesn't hit for average anymore, but that's, that hasn't been true for close to a decade, right? Yeah. Um, I think he could hit 15-plus homers with a 230 average. All right, how about Depends Mitch, how much they play. Mitch Garver or a Rockies catcher, like Chris Iannetta or Tom Murphy? Um, Iannetta was really bad against lefties last year. It was weird, but he was. this was his first year in Colorado, and he slugged 497 at home. So it's like if he can just solve that lefty problem, which is usually his strength, uh, maybe I thought Iannetta was a sleeper last year. And yeah, I am not going to draft him. <laughs> I am not going to draft any of these guys. Mitch Garver, Austin Hedges. Let, I would rather see Tom words. Murphy get a chance. He was really good yeah. in the minors. Been saying that for years. Yeah, Yeah, he's 28 now, but, you know, still want to see him get a chance. Well, uh, I had uh, 36. You the name of the last group, John Hicks, that I think is probably worth bringing yeah. up because if if the Tigers do play Miguel Cabrera primarily at at DH, it stands to reason Hicks would get the majority of the starts at first base while also probably serving as the backup catcher. So there is a potential for a lot of at bats there. And it's it's not it's not a it's not a terrible bat. It it's it certainly wouldn't hold up at first base. Mm-hmm. But when you Factor in the catcher eligibility and uh, the possibility of a lot of at-bats. He could be one of those guys who sneaks into the top 10 when nobody valued him on any level coming into the season. 
Okay, the there moral of the story. At the end of this list. Uh, are there really? Because I'd like to end the show. Yeah. Go, just say their names. Are they interesting because Hicks, of like... Barnes, Diaz, Benetics? Kelly. I, I think all of those guys could be top 12 catchers. All right. Thank you, Chris. Way to wrap it up. Uh, so that's going to do it for catcher. We got first base coming up. Another crappy position now, but it should definitely going to be better than catcher. <laughs> Moral of the story, don't play in two catcher leagues and don't ever call someone a bag of tools because it does not is not as nice as you think it is. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I want to thank Scott, Heath, and Chris for joining me today. I'm Adam. First base on Monday, recorded Friday. Have a great, great President's Day weekend. See you later.